Is that the reasoning for the handicap mic? Uh, it's nothing wrong with the mic. With the oop. <laughs> so you say it's the person on the mic? No, I mean, look, <laughs> you, you trying to lean on back and lean on down? Well, I you mean, know, I try to do the, I like to be comfortable when I start running my mouth. Right. You know, so. All right, Black Box Radio. Second drop. We out here. Um, we got some stuff going in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. G. This is Queen of B. And this is G Forte. Marilyn Mosby, familiar? She is the current state's attorney, right? Yes. Of Baltimore City. Yes. It's 790 convictions that have been convicted by uh, tainted cops. So she's trying to get those out of there. These are recent now. These are not long, long. Um, because 700, 700 convictions from just 11 cops. Mm-hmm. Um, These are cops I think that have been found to be, to be tainted. corrupt. Yeah, to be corrupt. Because I can't say that that hasn't happened or it's not, other cops don't have the propensity to be corrupt. Everybody does. But these are people who have actually been convicted, cops who have actually been convicted. Right. Um, well, I think that it's an interesting conversation and we'll hear a little bit about We'll hear from someone later today who has a lot of direct experience dealing with the criminal justice system. Yep. And um, one of the points that he made that you'll hear him share is um, him being, he had a, a unlawful sentence or, you know. Mm -hmm. Conviction that, or something. Right. Mm. Where, you know, he was being sort of tried on his background, not on the facts of the case. Yep, he did say that. So I guess if we're going to use that logic, if the specific cases that the cops were on were somehow um, were somehow uh, related to the corruption that they had, mm -hmm. then that makes sense. It does. It's from that gun trace task force. Um, right, eight right. officers from that. Right. So um, my my question is if if these these are directly tied to the acts that they were um, charged with and not just just because this specific cop was a bad cop. Mm -hmm. Does that mean everybody that he arrested gets off or are they talking about specific cases that are tied to what these people were convicted for? Well, to think the thing about corruption is it can't you can't really cherry pick it. Right. You so understand, the, so, so you've so been convicted. Right, so here's the point. Okay. My point is, let's say that this cop is involved in this deep uh, conspiracy, and he's in, you know, whatever the case may be that, that he's being charged with, mm -hmm. but he responds to the call in, in a neighborhood where, you know, someone has been assaulted and he arrests the person that's there. Clearly there's witnesses there. The person assaulted this other person. No, and they I take think it's, it's per the, these, these scandals. Right. That's yeah. my point. It, yeah, it's I don't not, think it's that not you just can, general. No, it's just tied I, directly to. Tied to, I'm sure they have a, um, a, a body of evidence that, right. you know, they've tainted right. and then the things that per the gun trace scandal. Right. Are the, okay. are the actual convictions that she's trying to throw out. I'm, I'm sure it's not everyone. They clear a lot of jails if we could do that. I doubt it's that. So, right. I mean, I think it's a good thing. I right. think if, that, um, if, you know, absolutely. If, if it's a case of, um, 
you know, someone didn't have, as is the case so many times when a person doesn't get a fair trial or doesn't get have their rights honored according to the way the law and the Constitution is supposed to honor those rights, then most definitely they deserve to be, um, they deserve the same protection under the law as anyone else. Uh, yeah, I believe that. But, you know, I I applaud her because there's many uh, states' attorneys that will deal with the status quo and keep it moving. So she's going back to look at the wrong and trying to right some of the wrong. Right. Well, I mean, so there's I a lot I applaud her for that. Well, there's, and, you know, let's not pretend that there's not political pressure on her to um, be um, sort of tough on the BPD given their recent history. So. Well, I think it is political pressure, but I don't think she has to. Uh, go back and commute people's records. She doesn't have to do that. Right. There's there's no cry from the <laughs> citizens. Um, right. She she doesn't have, this is something you, you could just keep it moving. So her ability to look back and say, listen, these guys are tainted, and if we want to have full transparency, right. we have to get rid of these convictions and, and start over. And right. we gotta get rid of the bad, and if the bad did this, then we gotta write it right. as, as much as possible. I think that that is um, she. She deserves definitely some applause for that. So that's um, one of the things going on locally because we're staying local. And you know what? Guess what? What? <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be more enthusiastic about my guess what? <laughs> well, the Preakness. Yeah. They struck a deal. Yeah, it's gonna stay. It's gonna stay. But they struck a deal, um, Jacko. Go, Jack. Go, Mayor Young. Come box up. Come talk to us about this. But anyway, they struck a deal um, to reverse both facilities, the one in Laurel and the one in on Park Heights. So they won't be any uh, fighting. So now they'll be comrades. Everybody got fresh shoes, fresh face, fresh gear. Everybody good. The horse is fresh. So they feel that it's going to be a good thing. It's always a compromise. So do you know what the economic, um, the economic impact of the Preakness on the city? Amazing. <laughs> you think they would fight for something that is not economically feasible? It um, is unbelievable yeah. feasible for the city. Um, yeah. I, so we, this is Black Box Radio. Mm -hmm. So I'm just curious about what your take is on how that event interacts with the black community. Because when I look at it, there you go. I look out there and I see who's there. They ain't black. Um, hmm. And yeah, it, it's, um, I think it, it's a prestigious thing. It's a kind of a tourist thing. Mm -hmm. so, it's an old money thing. Let's right. be clear. It's right. a business thing. Right. You know, and the business has shut the community out. They make money. The community makes money on the outside of it. There's, I don't think there's an inside connection. And, and that's the issue I have with the city council. You have a city council that is probably 70% black. And I think that's at the lower end. It's right. probably more than that. But that's my take. Let's say 60% and be safe. That's why I say, oh, you're throwing all these numbers out? 50%. <laughs> I know it's 50% black. So you have all of these black people. There's a an institution, that's what the Preakness is. It's an institution. It's been here a very long time. Right. Um, it's bred in Baltimore. It's bred in Park Heights. Um, you have this something that has burgeoned to uh, 
almost an international well, occasion. Yeah. Let's, a, let's be clear. Yeah, it's, it's, a part it's, of, it's a triple crown race. Yeah, it's, it's a one, biggie. It's one of three horse races that people care about. In the world. Right. So it is a biggie, and it comes to Baltimore. Right. Grimy West Baltimore. <laughs> My spot. So I don't understand why these leaders don't ensure that the community access something so huge and something in their community and that they don't shine that community and make them par and partner with them. They don't. They just work around them. So they're going to refresh the, the uh, area. I don't know. What do you call it? Stadium? Horsetarium? What is it? <laughs> Track. Oh, excuse me, bro. Yeah, it's a track. <laughs> the Baltimore track. Yeah, so it's the, a track. The race track, yeah. The, oh, yeah, that's what it is. It is a race track. Mm -hmm. So the race track, they're going to beautify that. They're probably going to put things around it. Mm -hmm. Retail, merchandise, merchandising, of course. They're going to try to, you know, put something around them. Are they going to include black people? That's the, that's the question. Well, I think one of the interesting things is the... Because you know you got your sport. horse racing is a betting thing, right? It's gambling, shawty. It's gambling. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest p potential um, windfall for that space is once they legalize sports books in every state. Mm -hmm. Is just to make it a like, just make because just that one event, one time of year, one time a year. Oh, you mean more things going on there? Right. But I'm talking about access. We you can have a million things, but if you not if the if the people can't access it, well, I don't. I don't what think are we gonna do? I, well, a lot of the stuff is a matter of um, conditioning around access because it's not like if you go, they're not gonna let you in. It's just that we're not we, talking about to attend, bro. We're talking about to get the bag. We got we have small businesses. We can um, that when when they leave there, it's filthy there. <laughs> you know, have you seen when they leave? All right. of the trash. Right. They can. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know enough to say what what the. I don't know what the level of participation is at this point. Well, I can say, um, and I I don't know the level per numbers, but um, from being exposed to it, I don't see many. Well, it's not a black man's game, first of all. Let's be clear. Um, so if we're present, we're present in smaller numbers. That's not our thing. And number two is, when have they uh, ever included Park Heights community into Preakness? I want the, listen, email us at blackboxradio at gmail.com. Tell us about the Park Heights situation with the Preakness because I don't believe there's ever been access for black people. And if there has been, it's always been limited. It's never been something that has been a huge access or a huge winner, whereas people are making money. They can park some cars maybe um, pick up some trash, but I think that's about it. Make sure those, make sure the bets are in. I know they got some doing that, but is, do they have some real contracts going on? That, some real contracts, that, that's the question. I don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that's where the community comes in. Tell us, talk to us, because you know they finalizing this thing and they're going to, uh, the 10-year plan for the Park Heights area is going to be, they're going to make it faster mm. so it can be as pretty as the Preakness. So it can look a mess while people live there in their lives, but as soon as the Preakness and you guys get your deal, then it's time to build it up. So unfortunate. Do you see how, you see how the city thinks? Yeah. 
Oh, and yeah. it shows. It's unfortunate. But okay. So we're gonna um we're not gonna point fingers. We're gonna invite the city on. Tell us what you guys are doing. How are black people accessing this new situation you done made up, Jacko? So we want to hear you. We out here. Right. Come talk to us. Mm-hmm. Box up. Come see us. Black Box Radio at gmail.com. Holler at us. You can come on anytime. You ready to move on, Jim? Yeah. Yeah, let's move on because, you know, that city thing is getting me a little. A little. You're not even cold no more, are you? <laughs> getting me a little hot under the collar because somebody need to be selling some hot dogs. Or, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean. Holler at us. Let's sell something. It's probably food vendors. Like, I've never been, but. Me neither. I've never been. But I've seen it, and I've not seen But I don't know. So that's why we asked the people, listen, box up, come on. We're going to leave that alone. We're going we gonna to move forward. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. So, you know, Mighty Ravens played yesterday. Right. Got to talk about it. 26, 20 days. Scape shot it. Um, Three and two. Uh, yeah, I, wanna, I just I just want to say that was a very poorly officiated game. First of all, on whose part? There was a lot of bad calls. It's a lot of bad calls on both sides. Like it, it was like. Did it affect the game? In your um, mindset, did it affect the outcome? Um, just cumulatively, yeah. Ooh. Cumulatively, yeah. Um. I mean, I think, well, I, I think that the game wouldn't have been as close mm. if there had not been a few of those bad calls. Because some of them were like, what, like, you know, is he, some of them were egregiously bad. But I think um, you never can, I don't think we know what the Ravens are, though. Like, they're not who we thought they were in the first week. They're a whole nother team. I'm saying. <laughs> who are they, bro? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think that um, Lamar Jackson is a is a talent, and I think he's getting in his head a little bit. He's like, dynamic. After he threw three interceptions, though, it was like he wouldn't throw the ball. It was like yes. he just kind of um, – and a lot of that has to do maybe with the – Injury to the wide receiver, you know, he had injury to one of his favorite targets. And mm-hmm. he, doesn't, he doesn't get out to the wide receivers that well to stretch the field out. But he did have um, 70 yards, I think, rushing. Yeah. That was a high. Yeah, he, yeah, he, he can definitely you move. Know, we know he can do that. Yeah, he so. can move the sticks. And yeah. you just have to, like, to speak on another game, um, like with the Chiefs, with well, like Patrick Mahomes, he doesn't run down the field, but he moves to escape. And then once he got his ankle, they, they got up on his ankle, and he was just not the same guy. So, you know, um, that movement, you, you have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it, it tends to shorten your career, you mm-hmm. dig? <laughs> you know, you have to really be careful with that. Unless you really, really have – I think Lamar is just an incredible talent when it comes to – Moving and running. He's he's incredible. You know, um, I wouldn't say most quarterbacks can do what he can do. Oh, no. I on, his, on his feet. Right. His I haven't feet. seen. He, he his moves. legs is, 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 is yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, he mo- he definitely has. Um, he's like a running back with an arm. Yeah, he's like a running back with an arm. He's too small to be a running back, but he's definitely like a running back with an arm. But um, 
you know, he's still growing. It's come on. Right. Well, I mean, that's 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 my thing. It is. Everybody has so much expectations for this young man. Well, I mean, I wonder he, if he's twenty six. He's no, no. That's what I'm saying. He's so young. No, no. He got a lot of coming in to right. play to do. Right, but that's that's the thing though. It's a right now. It's league. a right now league. That's and right. The, the problem is he's got like there's a lot of young talent in the league, so it's not like um, he gets to develop under the radar. Because Mahomes, we got Mahomes, you, you got, got golf, you got, you got, yeah. you got Baker Mayfield, yep. you got all those people that are you around the, the same Texans age. Guy, you know, yeah, these guys, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun, so you got a lot yep. of very, uh, very young, dynamic quarterbacks, absolutely, that are doing great things. They ain't so, taking no charges. You're right. So you don't have that fallback anymore. You get, yeah. you getting compared it, to them. You don't have that don't. ceiling. Like you got to no. grow. You got to be in there. Yeah, you got to, you got to perform now. So. Yep. Um, they need. They might need a veteran in his end. Who knows? He might need somebody to chomp on him. Uh, Who's the backup? You know, I don't know. I don't even know neither. RG three was up there. Oh please! <laughs> I think he's still there. Really? I think he's third string though. Yeah, I'm talking about who's that second string? Who's talking to him? But you know, Lamar, I don't know. <laughs> Lamar's my man. I thought that was the best pick of the draft. Moving up to get him. Thought mm-hmm. that was what's up. Ozzy made the last jump, the last pick, I think, before he retired. Probably the best one ever. Hmm. No, the best one. He had some good ones. Right. He yeah, was I incredible. Mean, he has a couple championships, so he made some good moves. Yeah, this guy, he was an incredible GM. But anyway, so our Ravens won right. in Pittsburgh. That's That's huge here. Yeah, because you I mean, know we don't like of, we right, don't like the ca- Steel City shot. It's a lot of caveats. I, I mean, <coughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers are not. <coughs> Don't they, say it. Yeah, <laughs> they're not what they used to be. They're, they're a mess. They're not. I mean, you know, they lost. They down to the third string. You all, the At Ravens the almost no. The Ravens almost lost to a third, third string, string yeah. undrafted. Was it not for like an out of this world defensive play in overtime? Yeah. They would have lost to an undrafted third string quarterback. And who who did that? Out of this mind play. Who who put that in there? Oh, I can't remember. Wasn't it Earl Thomas? Nope. Who was it? Um, Earl Thomas is the one who knocked the dude out. Knocked him clean. Knocked his clocked him. That's my man, Seattle. Remember he was on yeah, Legend he was, of uh, Boom. Yeah, he was with them. Yeah, I like um Thomas. He came back in and he broke his leg. Remember? Yeah. yeah, I like that guy, but I heard he knocked somebody out. I didn't see the game, but oh, from yeah. what I can read. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I watched the whole game. Um, yeah, it, it. I mean, really, the MVP is Justin Tucker. Of course. That boy got a golden leg, man. So, yeah, I mean, he kicked a 48-yard to take it to overtime and another 48-yard 48, 48 to win. Um, see why kickers get paid. In the, like, in the in wind. In the wind. It was just like he had to. He's a bad man with that. He's he got a golden leg, bro. Yeah. Yeah. He always comes through. <laughs> always yeah. comes through. So they pay that man. Right. He's like. Um, box up, Justin. Come to Black Box Ready. Bring that like, limp on in here, shawl there. He's like, um, he's like uh, Vinatieri was for yep. the Patriots yep. in the early 2000s. They are, uh, Tucker be there for the long haul. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. They're going to keep him signed. He's been very liable. Very reliable. Yeah. They've won a lot of games with him. Yep. This guy is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen a city where a, kick, a kicker's it, shirt. It's, so, a, it's I mean, the top-selling shirt. Uh, the top, 
the jersey is on everybody. Right. I've never seen that. Right. You know, it used to be Ray Lewis, you right. know, but no, Tucker, his, his jersey yeah. is all well, over. Justin just Tucker, bad mother <laughs> shut your mouth. <laughs> he so, oh, he sure is. That's a great little rhyme. You want to spit, bro? No, I'm good. <laughs> that was too quick. You know, we takes talent at the black at the box. Well, that's all right. We good to go. We good to go. No talent. Yeah. No, no spit in the night. No bars. No bars. <laughs> all right. Well, we got a um, community talking. Um, that's what's going down. It's some more things going on in Baltimore, but those are the highest because everybody talks about the game. Got to yeah. talk about that. And that mean they play home next week, right? I got to get myself into a. Until a party next week. Hmm, I don't know if it's invite home. the box. The box needs to come to a uh, what's what they call. I, I might have. A, I might be able to get a hold of some tickets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to go to the game. Yeah, bro. And we need to go to the um, what they do outside. What is tailgate. called tailgate. Tailgate. Put it on the box. Invite us. We can. You think we can get in the game? Uh, every once in a while, I come across some tickets. Let's uh, holler at a sister. <laughs> <laughs> Community camera is very important because it is our lens in which we see the community. We go out, we touch the community, we see businesses, and we go to shows, uh, we come to your class, we can come to your meditation group, whatever you have out there that you think should, uh, that would enhance the black community. Drop us a line at blackboxradio at gmail.com. Let us come out, shine you up, and so the community can actually see it, and that's what the community camera segment is. It's just an illustrating of black excellence, of people who have businesses, of people who are doing great things in the community. So recently, I had the community camera out uh, on, I think, yeah, it was September. In September, at the end of September, they had the uh, 23rd annual african-american festival in baltimore county not um, because the one in the city is afram the one in the county is the african-american cultural festival and it was held at towson patriot plaza and i was able to uh interview melissa morgan they had two uh, acts they had melissa morgan and they had the force mds so you 80s babies you know about melissa do me baby that was a hit <laughs> that was a that was fire back then. So um, she and Fool's Paradise. She has so many songs, but um, I spoke with her, and it was a real, real cute interview. And she was so down to earth, and she hits a little note for us. She sings a little, so check her out. All right, Black Box Radio. We're in Towson doing an interview with the great Melissa Morgan. She just went on at the African American Festival in Towson, right? Yes. How was that? How was the crowd? Did they receive you? Oh, it was so wonderful. <laughs> I always like playing Maryland, but this is my first time in Towson, and mm. uh, it was just wonderful. And it seems like the festival is going well for them. And uh, I went out in the audience, and this little young lady, she just got up and started dancing. I just I love seeing stuff like that. And, you know, the new generation is going to be something fierce, ain't they? They have. They're not scared yeah. of nothing. No, they're not. I'll she just you. jumped up, and I'm I'm sure her mother played Fool's Friday. I know, you know. She knew that song. <laughs> 
So that made you feel real good, yes, right? Yes, it did. So have you been uh, performing, or is this something you're just doing? They just called you, oh, or have no, you been no. you continuing been to perform? Yeah, I have wow. performed. I have a new CD out called Love Demands. Um, we're so excited about that because five of the songs was eligible for possible Grammy nomination. Excellent. So they were submitted, and now if they get voted for, one of them might be a, a, a Grammy-nominated song. We never know. And we're just, like, happy and just enjoying life. But I work all the time. I just got back from Japan wow. uh, doing four sold-out shows there. And uh, we've got shows coming up in London and Liverpool and... Uh, uh, Columbia, South Carolina, child. You wow, my mom was in Charleston. <laughs> yeah, you going to must have the Geechee Lane. Yeah, we perform all over. Ex yeah. Excellent. So you do a lot of it. You on the road? What six months out of a year? What do you think? I, I would say eight. Eight months. Yeah, eight wow. months in and out. If if you add it all up, yeah. But I I like to do like a tour like they did in, back in the day. We just go out for six or eight months. But uh, you know those are hard to come by. It is so nice to be able to sit with the icon. Thank um, you. Thanks for coming to this festival. Um, African Americans, we need an outlet in Baltimore. We do. So to have you here, we really appreciate you coming. And I've got to come on and do it again when I have new stuff. So Black Box Radio, we out. We had Melissa, Melissa Morgan. And it's right. Yeah, Melissa Morgan. Yeah, I didn't want to you say it me. wrong. Do me, baby. Fool's Paradise. Paradise. We did all that. You missed it. Oh, go ahead, Melissa. Y'all just got a sample. She did it. So have a great day, Baltimore. Thanks, Melissa, for coming to Baltimore. Peace out. Be black, be blessed. Be More Talent segment. We got a native son, a comedian, entertainer, a real character. Dwayne Big Shorty Morris. Yeah, this comedian Big Shorty, you know what I'm saying? Dwayne Big Shorty Morris, straight out of Baltimore City, straight from west side to the east side, to the south side, to the north side, baby. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, you know, but yeah, you know, Baltimore born and bred and all that good stuff, too. That is what's up. That is what's up. So, you know what? Comedy is not easy. It no. is not. You can, you think you're funny and you're not. So, how did you get into comedy? What made you want to go that route? I think when Def Comedy Jam came out. What's up? What's up? Make some noise. You know, I used to watch Def Comedy Jam on the weekends and then go to work on the following days and like recite the jokes and then, you know, <laughs> act like, you know, what I seen and all that kind of stuff. And there was just kind of like something going on. So one of my coworkers asked me, did I want to do, uh, did I want to perform some stand up? And I was like, well, you know, wow. okay, I'm going to give it a try. And never tried it and before. Never tried it before, but just my feeling, because like I, like I say, about me dancing and stuff, me always in dance groups and stuff, I always like to be the center of attention. So mm. I have a feel it's kind of like, attitude when it comes to performing like I don't have a uh, you know I don't really you know worry about performing in front of folks so you just fearless it was just something like okay I'm gonna give it a try and wow. when I did it it was like you know I looked at Def Comedy Jam and I just kind of like mimicked some stuff and just kind of went on stage and did good my first time and I never looked back you know and it's like that was I was like 18 19 years old and you know never looked back wow wow so what is Big Shorty doing on a uh Every day, uh, well, when he's daily, not a comedian, yeah, I'm a barber, so I'm a barber wow. on a daily basis. Um, a father, you know, husband. With comedy, do you have an end goal? Are you doing other things? What is 
what because it sounds like your artist yeah so, so what are you um, creating well right now like as a comedian i'm finding my purpose in life so i'm realizing mm-hmm. that my purpose is more than just about you know um chasing the dollar it's about my gift and being a blessing to the world so if it's Excellent. through i'm realizing that god gave me a blessing to make people laugh so uh my my goal now is just to find a way to entertain my people it was mm-hmm. not trying to go out and entertain the masses or becoming the world famous or the national people just the people i come across and my spirited kind of people which is like you know you know down to earth folk good genuine spirited people and all that so my goal is now is just like say to entertain them and to network and to you know to build the to broaden the black network and professionalize the black network you know wow. it's one thing to have a black network but when we're not professional and there's a lot of other things with it we got to try to open our minds to certain stuff so you know uh, as, as i I, as I'm awakening and as I'm growing, it's tr- my goal is to try to, you know, to unify us back to the old fashioned community back when I come up in in the 80s. You know, when exactly, I came up with, exactly. you know, we, we got to take care of each other. Yeah, it wasn't about money. It wasn't mm-hmm. about material, who got the biggest car and exactly. all that. It was just like it was just about the neighborhood. And exactly. Everybody in the neighborhood was one big family. And our neighborhood was the family. Like, exactly. you know, your, your relatives will come from from wherever they from to your neighborhood and they was outsiders they you know even though this was your blood relatives <laughs> but your neighborhood fact, yeah. was your family exactly. because you spent uh, a lot of time with them you, you know? spent a lot of time with everybody ups and downs together exactly. if, if the power was out on the block everybody sat outside if if one neighbor was struggling with food we all you know somebody can bought a cup of sugar or wow. bought, a, bought a couple slices of bread <laughs> you know what i'm saying everybody it, was it, helping each right, other right we helped each other you very know, communal we, right was, you know it, we got to get it, back to being together richness, you know that, that richness we had a richness in the game it was a richness that you know like right. it was so funny because people from the counties would love to come into the city they would love to come in the hood on the weekends and stuff because it was a richness that you know, love that love and mm-hmm. just the unity and everything that that's, they, they took it from us that, that cultural vulture <laughs> Whatever you want to say it is. We got to bring it, that back, though. We got to get it back, yeah, you know. So, yeah, yeah. you know. It's, it's like, not really about what somebody else is doing. It's what we are doing. Right. So, what right. are we going to do to get it back? And that's you know? the thing. But it's, it's it's the hard part about it. It's, it's kind of hard because we have woke people that is that's aware. But it's like when you have a, a, a people that's dominated the media and people that's dominated, the, like, the certain certain avenues of people that hear certain stuff, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard because, like, when you're trying to preach a positive message, then everybody look at you like, oh, you know, you think you ain't thinking bad enough. Well, I remember when you were doing this. You used to do something. Anything I did now, now all of a sudden you get better than me, and you think you're better, you know. So, you know, it's kind of funny when you try to, you know, reach out to the people. So, like, even in, in childcare, so I'm a childcare provider as well. Oh, wow! So, when I did childcare. Here it is when I worked in the child care center, you know, first thing I had to do was let people know that I'm a man, straight man, and I'm here to watch the children, no more, no less. Okay. So, you know, once I got past that point, then I had to let the people know I'm knowledgeable about raising children and being a family man and all that kind of stuff. So my goal was to let fathers know that we are important to be a father in these kids' lives, to be interactive in these kids' lives and all that wow. kind of stuff. So then it was like, okay, so I give advice on raising kids. So, you know, in that position, it's cool because I worked in child care, but now I'm back in the barbershop when I see parents that, that got children that need some advice i say something they look at me like i'm crazy because like who you think you are i'm like you know you know if you take him to the potty every half an hour then eventually you'll potty train him he went to his pull-ups three years old four years old not potty train <laughs> you know stuff like that but you know when, people are a little you know they're a little funny about but that's about but, the, but, sometimes. The, but sometimes but you know we need to hear that you know true, again it true. takes a village you know prime yep, example it you know it, it takes the village you know sometimes a person don't know something mm-hmm. and as and, and as when i was in childhood care my goal was to acknowledge the parents as well mm-hmm. because some parents 
parents don't know how to be a parent. That's they true. They come in, they say, That's well, true. I don't know how to get them to eat vegetables. I don't know how to get them to put the coat on. I don't, you know, so my my job was to say, hey, well, if you stop putting the coat on for them, then eventually they're going to learn how to put it on themselves. Or, or if you if you try to eat certain stuff in front of the kids and introduce them to the stuff to say, you know, certain exactly. things. Exactly. You, so, you gave them tools to be yeah, better parents. Right, right. And, and that's what we have to do. But the process and looking at it as, you know, there's other entities that's stopping it or people are going to come come for you when you try to do good. You have to sometimes align yourself with other folks who are right. going that way. Mm-hmm. And then you collaborate, you do great things, but you can't stop the fight. Can't you know, stop so the fight. You no, can't, you can't, can't stop the fight. Big Shorty got a lot of words for the community and it's real respectable. A real stand-up guy. But we gotta go back to the major institution, almost like the church in our community, the barbershop. That's where it all goes down. Yeah, I work in the barbershop. Yeah, you know, that's the the, 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 the gentleman's club, the unofficial, uh, what you want to call psychiatrists and all that kind of stuff like that. You get all kind of, you can get knowledge, you can come in and get a hookup, you might find, you get you can get anything in the barbershop. You know you know what the barbershop is about. You get your hair, Absolutely. You get more than just a haircut in the barbershop. Absolutely. So, with barbershop, you want to big it up? Yeah, I want to big it up. Styles Unlimited Barbershop, which is 104 Wise Avenue, which is in Dundalk, Maryland. Uh, yeah, I had to move out the city a little bit, and, you know, <laughs> get get to the county a little something, something. But you know, we still good. It's a black, it's a black business in the county too. You know, what I mean? so we gotta serve our people everywhere we go. You know what I mean? But Styles Unlimited Barbershop, 104 Wise Avenue. We got seven barbers and one hairstylist there. You know. Um, and we just do what it do. You know, we one of the best barbershops, if not the best barbershop in Dundalk. Wow, that is amazing. Yeah. So um, I know some stuff go down <laughs> up in oh, yeah, styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, so basically, we, we, we are like, we're an older barbershop. We, we, our okay. guys in there are, are basically like 35 and older. So, you know, but we like to still do the same things. So it's a little kids. mature. Yeah, we're a little mature. We're still immature, too. Though. We play video games <laughs> oh, all day. We in there Lord. playing the game. So we half the time you go in there, somebody... That's a man cave for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a man cave. We, mm. in there, we in there beefing over video games. Who won last game? Who did this and that? Or, you know, and then the same time, it's just, you know, another family atmosphere. You know, sure. you know, fathers and mothers bring their kids and stuff in. And, you know, we just, like, try to get past knowledge on. Somebody need a mechanic. Somebody need a... Uh, a doctor, we might know somebody. You never know exactly. who might know. You everything know go through the barbershop. Yeah, everything go through the barbershop. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, you know, we somebody might need to get hooked up on some clothes and stuff. You tell them, wait on the Saturday, come around here 12 o'clock on Saturday. Somebody will come in there with some good <laughs> some good boosted clothes. You know, they ain't going to tell you what. Nah, gonna, <laughs> you on mic, Shorty? I know, I know. <laughs> Don't tell it all. Can't let it all be out there. What you know, what you know, what you know what we're doing in the barbershop. <laughs> yes, it sounds very, you know, it's communal. Yeah. It's the same thing as. I sitting down in a village or something. You sit down with your people and you're in a comfortable spot and you make it happen. You find out what's going on. What's the party? Where the party at? Who had the best concert? What's the best <laughs> album out? Who got the best food? Mm. And you can find out anything in the barbershop and beauty salons. You know what I'm saying? Because it's, it's a networking process. It's a process where people, just different people with different backgrounds come together and they kind of can let themselves down. You know, like when it's funny when you're out in the world, mm-hmm. people got their, got their, they got their suits on. They got sure. their, their armor. Cultural, yeah, the culturals, if, you know, if it's whatever. But when you come in the barbershop, everybody kind of let loose and it's like I'll give you black, white, Asian, Mexican, whatever, Indian, we all get together. Yeah. And we, we, so you have all you have a diverse um clientele. Yeah, we have diverse clientele. Yeah, yeah. And that's the best thing but for me going to Dundalk to Dundalk was to have the diverse clientele. I you know excellent. Yeah, working, you know, I have nine I from the city I just was cutting black people head. Now I'm out the county I got white, black, Indian. Yeah. I got some Mexicans come through, you know. You got some tools yeah, in your yeah, 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 yeah. Cutting and I, different and, hair. And, and I evolved as a barber because of that. Yep. So, you know, I want to talk about your filmmaking. Excuse mm. me. 
So what is what is that? What's well, that about? Well, um, what that is? By me being doing, doing comedy, I've been in comedy for almost twenty years now. Probably more than twenty years. I started when I was eighteen. I'm forty two. So mm. yeah, about twenty something years exactly. of entertainment. And being a comedian, you you enter in different venues. If it's acting, if it's different, you know, podcast hosts, whatever. Sure. I like to act. So for me, it's acting, doing plays and television and movies and stuff. I got on the wire and done a lot of different things. So acting wow. is another portion of, of entertainment that I like to do. Sure. Um, but in the competition field, sometimes you can't get access to do certain things. You know, if I want to act and like you can, so you audition for these different things and you audition and you, you try to get involved with certain stuff and the competition field makes it hard for people. So I need to create my own avenue. So I first I started writing skits. It was writing script. I want to do script writing. I was like, well, okay, I'm, I don't, don't want to focus on blah, blah, blah. Let me try to write script because everybody else is trying to be a comedian. Everybody else is trying to be an actor. Well, sure. let me be a writer then. I'm a favorite in the writing point. So then when I wrote my scripts, it's like these people, was, they too busy to shoot my stuff. Not realizing that how much how much work really is into filmmaking, so I said like I got a script. Why don't I do my movie? And I, then that was out. Of, it became more of an anger and frustration to say, well, let me buy my own camera because nobody want to shoot my stuff. So I'm gonna go ahead and get my own camera, get my own stuff, mm -hmm. and then then realizing how much work filmmaking really is. It's yes. like it's a big onion with so many layers, and so many, so much that goes into it. But sure. you know, not knowing it. And it was kind of naive towards it when I just asked people about, like, when well, I got my script, why you can't shoot my script or something like that. And instead of just telling me, no, they're too busy or they can't do it, and just telling me it's too much work, I used to take it as if, well, they don't want, my, they don't want to do my, cause my script better than that script. They don't want to, you know, <laughs> this whole, you know, the whole competitive field type of thing. Sure. So, you know. Because you didn't, know, I didn't what, know the work that it takes. I didn't know. Yeah. Right. So then last year I bought a camera. Mm. So, you know, last year when I bought a camera, um, like anything else, you want to get in, you want to enter into it. You don't want to just go cold. Some people just think you buy a camera, take pictures, snapshot. No, yeah. but I want to learn theories behind photography. I want to learn the theory behind cinematography, videography. I want to learn, you know, the whole stuff of it. You want the outs. backstory. Right, yeah. you know, so that's where I'm at right now. So last year, I bought a camera and I'm one year in in knowledge and experience and stuff like that. But I'm so self-taught. So I'm, I'm on YouTube, Amazon, libraries, and I'm just soaking up knowledge and trying to, you know, research as much as I can and at the same time develop experience as well. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. Just, you know, and I didn't know that. So I apologize to any other filmmaker or videographer out there who didn't do my video because I thought you was trying to hate on my stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, he threatening folk. Yeah, I, I was a little. I, was, I used to. I used to have a little chip on my shoulder. I had that little Baltimore chip. You know. You know that little coming out of. But city, this is the know? greatest thing. Listen, yeah. you have to develop your own stuff. Yeah, you got to develop. You know, that's the thing. You, you got to develop your own stuff. But just stop going to folk. Yeah, it, it, it's you go know, do it, it. it. Even with that, you know, but you develop, you develop a, a, a something inside yourself too, because sure. you know, you know, you're still not gonna be able to do everything by yourself. And at that knowledge of where I'm at now, because I'm older, I know I can't do it all by myself. Sure. Well, when I was in my twenties, I probably would have tried to do everything by myself. Mm -hmm. So now I know the the, the 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 value of a team. I know the value of finding people who have expertise in certain fields sure. that may not be. You may just have a better eye for seeing color than I do. So if I give you this video, you might color it for me, color mm -hmm. correct it for me, mm -hmm. versus there's somebody who you're you saying know, everyone has a role. Everybody got a role. Yeah, but you know, but you I, need a team to but make you it need happen. A team. So yeah. my thing is not just a team of folk. I need a team of genuine folk for myself. So my patience is coming because I need a team of genuine people, not just people chasing the dollar sign. See, when you when you find people chasing the dollar sign, sometimes it get kind of screwed into the vision of what was being done out there. Mm -hmm. Everybody worrying about how much I want, what, what you gonna pay me? Yes, and, yeah. You know, but if you the find, bag always ruin it. The bag ruin it. Yes. So if we all love, if you love being a radio host. 
I love talking, of if you love producing, and we all came together and said, okay, well, we know we ain't making no money right now, but if we do it and the money will come eventually, then that's a different kind of story. But some people just want to go right on in trying to get no. the gold. It's the build. It's the build, yeah. You got to do the build, and, and the build takes work. Yeah. But it's it can be fun. It can be fun. You can learn a lot doing the build, you know. And if you're achieving black excellence and you're helping the community, let's do it. You know, and I always think um, – if you follow your passion, the back follow. It's yeah, coming. Yeah, it's, you know? it's pretty much. It's, it's it's definitely coming. So what you doing in the community now? What's coming up? I know you performing. You host. What yeah, are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm always doing something. I, I do a lot of um, I do a lot of different functions. I'm doing. I do churches and birthday parties, and you wow. know, a lot of 50 and 60 year old parties. Now, so I'm in the older, mature crowd. Like I'm I'm 42, but I have like this old spirit. And so okay. it's like I'm so like, no cursing, no. Nothing like that in your... Depends. <laughs> now, if I'm at the church, of course not. You know, I'm a child <laughs> okay. of God, so I won't disrespect the Lord. I won't disrespect Excellent. nobody's religion, nobody faith, nothing like that, you know. And and also, um, I'm also I, brought up, I was brought up with respect. So if I'm, in, if I'm in an environment with people, elders, like your aunts, your sure. grandmothers, or whatever like that, and they're not into that kind of moment, I won't disrespect them. Sure. But if we're in a bar, we're sipping drinks and all that kind of stuff going down, you know, you're going to get some, you're going to hear some... You're going to be a colored you, language. Gonna, yeah, yeah, I got to let it fly. You know, we all in the same environment. I had a drink you had a drink and ain't nobody got worried about no senses in here you know we all adults as last time i checked you know so that's, that's true that's, that's, that's true that's and that's true. the mentality i bring towards whatever i do like um it's funny because i did a church a couple weeks ago i did a church um i'm not shouting them out and nothing like that i'm not talking about i'm not talking about nobody but sometimes when you get to a certain status in your life you feel like you think you elevated or you feel like you think you're better than everybody so you feel like you didn't came up in, in the world and and you forgot <laughs> that you grew up you. with the privilege and you forgot <laughs> you grew up with so you know so here i come with you my character <laughs> so i come with my down-to-earth mentality i love it to these folks you okay. know okay so my first thing is hundred dollar plate dinner wow you know, I'm like, $100 plate. Well, you know, and I got like all these jokes about the place and, the, and they almost kind of got like halfway offended. But in the same time, you offended my craft because you didn't even give me the proper introduction. You didn't give me the proper, uh, I say, well, when you preaching a sermon, do you have people walking around and standing up when you preaching a sermon? Mm. Our comedian need the same amount of undivided attention as the pastor that's preaching the word. Because people need to hear my jokes and need to see my jokes, they need to see my face. They need to, it's not just put me on the microphone and I go tell jokes. Yes. You know, it's a setup. It's a, it's a, you got to respect your, respect, your craft. Respect my craft. So, Absolutely. So with that, you just throw me up in the cold room. You got people taking pictures. I'm, I'm joking at all the stuff that's going on. I'm joking <laughs> that you threw me on the microphone. Like, you just threw me up here. Like, wow, no introduction or nothing. But, you know, we just kept it going. I do my little jokes and... <laughs> And, and get my check. So I, you it, came for them. Yeah, you know. On the stage. I, I, you know, God tell me sometimes you got to tell people about themselves. You know, wow. it, what's in my spirit? Because, you know, as I see when, when, when I read the Bible, you know, before I read the Bible, I just knew I knew about God, but I didn't know him. So, you know, I, I had all this thing for different things of, of imagery of people. I, I believe that, or you, or you know, you religious, you act a certain way and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, but then I read the Bible, it was like a big old, you know, epiphany in my life to say, you know, people are just regular folks and stuff, but ain't nothing new under the sun. Ain't nobody better than you. You ain't better than nobody. We that all child of God. I don't care how much money you right got, how there. many books you read, how many, th how many degrees you got. Reverend. So when I, I got that, once I got <laughs> that up in me, it's like, I, you know what I'm saying? I got that up in me, and God just kind of did a whole, that was 10 plus years ago. That sounds like confidence. It sounds yeah, it, like it's growth. A, it's a it's whole other confidence in yourself. It's yep. a humbleness. It's a it's a humbleness to the point where I don't care about my material clothes I wear. You know, you know I, don't, I don't need to wear a name brand. I, I don't need to wear the biggest watch. I don't need to wear the biggest. I don't. Need, I just I just want to be comfortable, clean, healthy, good 
life. That is all that. That stuff is where is that? Yeah, all that. All that other stuff, stuff is extra. It don't, it don't even matter. Right? Yeah, you know what yep, I'm saying? Yep. If you don't have a quality of life and you still got the other stuff, you ain't happy. So yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, you, you know. can have all that stuff and don't have a quality of life. Absolutely. These people got all this money and all this stuff and and and, and mad. Like you, <laughs> you, you know, it's it's funny because my man T D J say he say he say one. He say it take a lot of money to come up crazy. He said you see, you see, you see, you see them people with them big old cars and them <laughs> fancy clothes. A lot of money, right? They covering up a lot of crazy. <laughs> and that's real. So you that know, sometimes because right when I read, I mean, in three years, because I read the Bible to to be a know it all. Like when I'm in a barber shop mm-hmm. and a guy come in the barber shop, he in he in the nation. And we both was in the world together. So when he went to the nation, okay. I'm you know, so he come back, yo, you know, and he praising people. He not praising God. He praising people. I'm I'm spiritual at the time, but not really knowledgeable of God. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I had a spiritual upbringing. Sure. So I'm like, praise God for the man, but don't praise the man. Don't praise. And we back and forth in the barbershop. And that's the one place you don't discuss the religion in the barbershop. <laughs> and this one, I'm like, I'm 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 young and I got Napoleon disease. I got this testosterone-ish mentality, so you can't tell me nothing. <laughs> so I got this buckets mentality. So we get we we get into a fight over religion. Now this guy like six two. I'm here. I'm five eight. I'm hundred forty pounds, soaking wet. I'm a small guy. He tried to like rush me and try to move me and all that kind of stuff. and could not do nothing with me. So I say that was either God just giving me the strength at that moment to protect me because <laughs> wow. even in my even in my 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 uh my my my, my like not, lack of knowledge or whatever, I had my I meant well, yeah, and I meant for God. So He kept me covered. So I said, you know, for me to be able to discuss, debate, or argue religion, I got to know what I'm talking about. Study to show yourself approved, right? right? So let me read this Bible so I can know what I'm talking about because I want to be a know it all. I want to go to search that scripture and pull this word out. They say, hey, I want to be able to, I can go right and find it too. So when I start reading the Bible, it was like a mirror. God would say, Here go all your faults and your flaws. This ain't nothing about me. You got to know it all. I'm going to show you who you are. Wow. You selfish. You cruddy. You did this. You did ah. that. You did. You ain't nobody. Ah. And I'm going to show you who you is. This is oh. all who you are. Oh, then oh. I'm going to show you who I am. This I'm going to show you what I did. I'm going to show you who I done stuff for. These people I done stuff for. This, this what I am. This is what I do. This is who I am. This is I'm Beautiful. God. This is I'm the ultimate. I'm the. I'm, this is what I do. So now I'm gonna tell you. Now, now you know who you are. What are your flaws and your gifts and your. Now I need you to go out to the kingdom and do do my kingdom work for me. Because now I, this this is what we did. That's and them three so years journey. So he revealed who you were. Showed him who he was. And he showed me what I need to do in his kingdom. And then now sent you back out. Mm-hmm. So you're here now to farm up the community, I'm right? trying to do what I got to do. That's, yeah. Listen, yeah. that's Black Box Radio. That's what we're here. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're here to love black folks. You know, we're here to do great things with black folks. And, you know, that's a great feeling. Yeah, you know? it is. It, it, it is. really is it when is. you're not bounded by money, not bounded by people. You're just bounded by your love. But let me ask you a question. This is probably like we're going to move up out of here because mm-hmm. we just jumped into the interview because yeah. we just vibing. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. But we don't know where you're from in Baltimore. We don't know right, well, who is, you know, Big Troy. Where are you from? I never heard I'm, that. I'm from West Baltimore. West Baltimore. Um, yeah, I'm from West Baltimore. My my first neighborhood is, is Garrison and Duval, Midway. That's that's why I, my first roots of the neighborhood. Then I moved and moved down to Lexington Tires area. So area. Um, okay. Down to South Baltimore, Fed, and Stroll the Street, that type of area. Not really in Lexington Tires, but the area of Lexington Tires. Sure, so I grew sure. up with... You know, in that area like that. So I'm pretty much West Baltimore upbringing. Um, then, like, I guess, like, you know, around 12 years old, the street kind of, I got started getting locked up and all that kind of stuff. Like, so I was kind of, so that's, that's when I, I kind of traveled around different neighborhoods. But, say, but, I'm, but, but basically, I'm feeling pretty much West Baltimore. West Baltimore. Okay, mm-hmm. so, you know, we got to know where you're from because yeah, yeah. this is about Baltimore. Well, West Side so. Certified, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I just changed my life at the, you know, when what happened was also what happened when I was 17 years old in foster camp, one of my 
at the time, uh, we was locked up together, and he was like, we're going to be able to jam like this. And I kind of like, you know, started my whole change of the whole culture of who I was because, you know, I'm coming straight out the he street. He says you're going to be yeah, in the you, jail like Yeah, because, you know, we locked up our foster camp, you know, and, and you know, you grew up with kids. You you know, from, from 12 years old to 17 years old, we was in and out of different institutes. Wow. And you grew up with folks. So you, you see these folks in the different institutions. So here it is, we're 17 years old, and we're getting ready to transition to jails and prisons. We at foster camp. This is the last straw for our age group. Oh so, you know, we in lunch, and we laughing and joking, ha, ha, he, he, and, you know, he, he exhaled it out ah but we're gonna be able to jail like this that was my wake-up call that was that was for anything else in my life that was that ultimately is a mind bender that was that was like 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 oh my goodness. all the speeches that anybody ever told me i was gonna be nothing you know like you know people tell you, you're gonna be dead on jail or you keep making these choices you're gonna amount to nothing I, you know you're okay you don't you don't believe it's gonna happen until my friend said that that day in that, in that foster camp he said we're gonna be able to jail like this he like we're gonna be able to jail like this i'm like i'm done I'm tired. I'm done getting in trouble. I'm tired of getting in trouble. Mm. But then I had to still make the transition of I had to come out of a certain way I dress, certain way I walk and talk, that whole slick thing. You had to change. I had to change my whole way. So now people look at me, they're like, you from West Baltimore? And they're like, where you from? Because sometimes I'm talking, and that's big proper because I'm a teacher now. So you know I got to talk a certain <laughs> enunciation. I be, where you from? <laughs> I got I got the muscling. What, what you talking about? Yeah, I me. Mean, you heard me. You feel me? Yeah, I me. Mean, I got I got act like that. I got to switch up every so now. So you can and switch up. Yeah, I got like you. Like a chameleon. <laughs> Go in and out. Yeah, you got you. Got you. Got you. <laughs> Not like that. So yeah. West Baltimore, because it's you know we're in Baltimore. We're mm -hmm. doing um, everything Black Baltimore. We yeah. got to know where you're from. So right, right. West gotta, Baltimore, sorry for us. Yeah, that's big up where you're from. Big yeah. up West Baltimore. Because right. that's for the studio. So we love some West Baltimore, Southwest Baltimore. That's yeah. really Southwest, right? This it's Southwest. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But northwest as well. So northwest. like Park Heights is northwest, the whole Garrison Boulevard Junction. You straight area. west, just yeah, just west, west, west just <laughs> That's what I say because I didn't move around. You know, that's why I, people. It's funny because I'm 42 years old. And they're like, "Where you from? I'm from Baltimore. What side of town you from? Well, I've been on this side for 20 years, and I've been on the east side for 20 years now. So I'm like, I'm just a Baltimorean. You yeah. Know what I'm so it's amazing how some people ain't never been out there blocks. You're right. That is some. That's scary. Oof. Ooh, out there ooh, radius like you ain't been out of grandma very Mount. scary how like, do one you guy learn? never went shopping you ain't never been off of Greenmont avenue and go shopping like i took this one case this is like this is like 20 years ago and i'm like 18 19 and we go to towson he's like i ain't never been to towson before like you ain't never been out to block that's but you know that is that is part of the problem that's part of the problem oh, man that is that is heavy man you ending heavy so we about to walk up out of here yeah. so i just want to know like What's your last thing for the community? What, man, what you want to say? Eat healthy, man. Let's be healthy, man. Eat yes, healthy, sir. man. Healthy diet means a healthy mentality, man. You know what I'm saying? And let's love one another, man. That's all I can say, man. Eat healthy, be healthy. Let's have a good time, man. It's a vibe thing, man. Forget that bag. Stop chasing that bag and let's start chasing people again. Start loving each other. Let's get back to the community and stuff, man. My name Big Shorty. God bless. And I'm out. Be it. All right, we're up to our Cypher segment, family. And today we have HOPE. And that stands for Helping Oppressed People Excel. And this is a nonprofit started by Antoine Quarles L. I think I got it right. And what's so interesting about this nonprofit is it was started by an ex-offender for ex-offenders. And it deals with reentry, uh, 
any things they're going, anything that they might be going through, things they might need, job readiness. Um, Antoine, they do it all to try to ensure that the um, person coming back into Baltimore, any well, coming into Baltimore actually, has all the tools that they need to succeed. As a youngin, um, I grew up in West Baltimore. From the day of me being born, it was about, you know, um, wow. my mother was 16, father cheated on her and a best friend. Me and my sister, a month apart, you know, um, we didn't meet each other until we was 15. Wow. You know, uh, I didn't meet my father until I was 14 in a dope hole, and that my aunt brought him in there to me, you know. Um, Why were you in a dope hole, bro? Selling, selling dope. I, you know, I want to hear the story. Um, okay. Basically, Got it. like, um, at 14, we selling dope. Yeah, fort, family oriented around drug dealing, you know, neighborhood oriented. Okay. Um, you know, as a kid in the neighborhood, you know, come off the steps, running over cars, jumping roofs, it's double dutch and whatever, whatever, and so whatever. The with next the kids. movement for those kids and, and the next movement was, is selling drugs. Yeah, and selling drugs, you know, fighting. <laughs> and gained a little name in the community. You know, we had a little team that we was running around. All of us wore Adidas, you know, we was like, we was the Adidas crew. Okay. And you know, um, Can you give us a time frame of when, when this was? Like what year so, this was? So like, I actually came off the steps in like 77. So you, you were know, what age? I was like five years old. You came mm, off okay. the steps, steps. To, so this, to so be a little man. Running outside. At five. At five. So Up this, and down to Wanda's. Round on Borman, round on Pimlico Road, r- walking with the dog. West Side guy. Yeah, yeah, totally West Side. So, so this era of drug dealing that you were talking about. So this is the '80s when you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. he came off at five. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. ran around. I just wanted to set the scene because yeah, I know. Right. '80s was when uh, historically, you know, yeah. So we we we're in the era of the '80s when you were dealing. Yeah, yeah. when the drugs was really out there. That yeah. was Reagan time. Yeah, the Reaganomics. Yeah, right. Reaganomics. Exactly. Jay Z always like talk about Reaganomics, and, right. and you know like when Reagan like made the thing about uh, if you want to destroy black communities, put guns and drugs. And you know, at the age of 15, I was walking around with Tech Nines and Uzis. Wow. You know, we were standing in the alleys. Serving people with Uzis and Tech Nines out, you know, it wasn't about like the thirty years. It's scary the and, access that you, you know, would have. How could you have access I, to a Tech Nine? You know, like, Jeez, man. and the thing was, like, a dude came through our block one day with a whole crate and was like, "Man, I got some Uzis and Tech Nines," and we was like, "What?" You know, at that time, Scarface, Rambo, uh, uh Commando, all that shit was out, man. We was blowing us up now. Slow down. We was actually you blowing us up. Slow down. So you telling me somebody comes in the hood with a crate of guns? With a crate. So where did it? it, Where did you end up from this stuff? Because you was in the penal system. All penal systems. Being shot, laying on Borman Avenue, shot, laying on Park Heights and Violet Avenue, stabbed in my stomach. You know, um. Dude from East Baltimore happened to be driving up the street after the incident happened. And I was like out. The dudes had hit me twice. They had hit me in my stomach and hit me in my lung. I had got out of there, you know. And he just happened to pull up. And he was like, bro, you all right? And I was like, no, I just need to get home. And the crazy part, 
Somebody had already caught the chick I was messing with and told her that some dude tried to rob me and stab me. But I got away and got in the car. So, so she had to look. He took you to the hospital? No, he took me to her house because I was oh, on this wow. survival rainbow stuff that if I'm gonna go in the house, take some cold water, this shit gonna stop bleeding, I'm gonna get high, I ain't gonna feel nothing, and I'm coming back down here. And God knows, whoever knows something about it, that's who I'm dealing with. I got put out, I got put out of Falls Park. The second month of my first ninth year up there. So ninth grade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So lack of education, yeah. lack of assets, access, and then you went into the penal system for a few times, right? So your last stint, you said earlier, was 2008. Mm -hmm. 30, 30 years. 30 years. So it's 2019. That wasn't mm -hmm. 30 years. So mm -hmm. what happened? So 15 Two of it was illegal. Was an illegal sentence. Ah. So basically, like. Reappeal on illegal advisory through uh, counsel. He got what is called illegal representation. It was certain things that he was supposed to object to that they kept bringing up about old cases that had nothing to do with the case. And basically, I didn't get convicted for the charge that I was locked up for. I basically got convicted by my background. Oh, and okay. based on the whole time of resubmitting the appeals, modifications, the judge that sentenced me with the nine, 8505 denied me. Innocent Project denied me. It was till like one day, an older guy, this home name that I still talk to named Mo Bell, that was serving um, a life since he had 31 years in at that time, right? And he basically said to me, like, I need you to come to the library with me so we can research your case. Mm. So, so he was 31 years in. Yeah, yeah. So and you were and so he was becoming your mentor, in other words. In Basically, I yeah, 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 been that because like it was a lot of times on bits that I knew him from institutions when I was young, crazy, wild. You know, um one older cats like in the early nineties had said to me, like, Shorty, the prison is changing so much that older guys are being called onks and ain't none of these youngins related to me. He say, but don't wind up being the nephew and then still be here to be the own. Mm. That's some serious language, family. Did you hear that? Do not <laughs> be here as the nephew and stay and become the unk. That, that, that's, that's some serious business. So God is great. You're not the unk. You're out here. You're out here. <laughs> you're still an unk, but you're not behind walls. You're free. Yeah, yeah, free. So it's a it's a beautiful thing to be an unk on the street, right? It's free bang. It's free bang all day long. Free bang free, all free day, day long. All day. And we got another visitor family. We got DeWitt Shell. So DeWitt is a part of Hope also. So we kind of um, we want to hear his story because then next we're going to talk about what Hope does. So DeWitt, you work with it, with Hope or you? You tell me what you do with Hope. Let's do that. Well, first of all, hello, everybody. Hi, Baltimore. Um, I am a Hope advocate. I started off just coming to listen on the strength of my buddy Antoine, and then I just got real, really interested. I always wanted to be part of a change because mm. I had already gave the city every bit of 20-plus years of being a part of the problem. Okay, got it. So, so you've been in the penal system. 
That's where we met at. Just about all my life. I met Antoine in, in, in the system. We was kind of running buddies, and we did all kinds of stuff together. Wow. So you met in the penal system, and now you're both out, and mm-hmm. you, you're still banging, but you're banging for good. Banging for the good things now. I'm <laughs> cleaning up the city, and I'm reaching out to the youth. Beautiful. Like, uh, when I came home, I think it was like six months after I had gotten released from my last incarceration that I ran across him, and I wasn't really doing much. I was wanting better uh-huh. and trying, but I wasn't, get, I wasn't really getting okay. what I was looking for, or what sure. I, at least I thought I was looking for. Okay. Truth be told, I really wasn't putting forth the effort that I know I could have been. Uh-huh. Then I ran Were across Were you a changed Antoine. person? Did you feel that? Yeah, I felt changed, you were different but from I, the person still, that went in. I still didn't have that zeal to put forth that effort to go ahead, strike, and struggle through everything. Got it, got it. You would, you would revert back to the old behavior if it got hard. Oh, I actually thought about it. I contemplated Good. it Contemplated it, times. okay. Great. I and hope. so you, you roll up with, you see him. Yeah, he invited me. Actually, it was my birthday week coming up, mm-hmm. and he invited me to come around to Hope. And when he told me the date, I was like, what? That's my birthday, and I ain't doing nothing either. You know I'm going to be there. <laughs> and I, it was on December the 2nd, 2017. Wow. And I've been there ever since. I fell in love with the, the, the family, like everybody. And we're not a big group. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's like 20 of us tops. And everybody, since I've been there the last two years, Nobody has been arrested, including me. Not even this is so interviewed by the police. Oh, I just I mean now I love because it. where I work, I, I have police officers literally come up to me every morning and speak to me, shaking my hand. That never happened that, in your that life. That never right? happened. <laughs> if they came to speak to me, they was to incarcerate me. <laughs> this is a that's a beautiful thing in it. Yes. Wow. It makes my children cry when they see it. It's like, something. Wow, Daddy, you really did. <laughs> You really change. They see more than I see. I still, I'm, to me, I'm still not where I want to be. But doesn't that make you feel good that your kids recognize the, the growth? Yes. That's, yes. that's a beautiful a thing. Lot. You know, we got to be different for our children so our children can be different. Yeah, because they resented me for a long time. I just kept coming, coming home and leaving them, coming home, leaving them, adding to the family and leaving, to, leaving the family. Uh-huh. So, and now you're here to stay, right, bro? Yeah, once, when my grandkids, when I got introduced to my grandkids. Beautiful. That was a wake-up call for me. Wow. Well, the real wake-up call was on my last incarceration, really. I started seeing. It goes back to not being the, the nephew and growing in the system to being the aunt. Mm-hmm. I started seeing my homeboys and homegirls that I grew up with, children come in. Mm. And it blew my mind. It made me started thinking about whoa. DeWitt. What about what's going to happen? You're what am us. I going to do if one of my children come through here? You are hitting us. That's serious, and that's that's how this thing happens. It happens to either the patriarch or the matriarch, which is the father or the mother, mm-hmm. and then you see the children have no guidance, mm-hmm. and then this becomes a cycle. We see families exactly. in jail. It, it, it's it's a sad system. I'm living proof of that. No guidance. Like mm. I went from not really knowing my father to losing them when I was five. Mm. And then that just made me crave wanting to have a father all of my life to this day. Because mm. I still feel like there's some training that I lack, some things that I know I could, I could give my children if I had that training from a father. That's a beautiful, but, that, that's real transparent right there. You, yeah, you really say really something is. real, that's real. People don't understand that parents are important. 
And that when you don't have that, you always, I don't care how old you are, you can be 60, you're still looking for your dad. <laughs> you still want somebody in your life who can show you something. Mm-hmm. We all are children at heart. You know, we all need that guidance. So that's, that's, yeah. that's a real powerful thing you're saying. A lot of people do the wrong things to get to that. You know, somebody come and, like they say, sun them and then bring them to the wrong, you know what I'm saying, Twan? Yeah. They sun them. Living proof. And then they, that sun ain't right because they, they don't got, they sun them. They sun them yeah. and make them an investment for the picking. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> they don't feel no love for them, bro. It's, it's, it's all bad from there. So you don't want nobody sun your children. I actually regret the first street person that sunned me mm. because I had a football career and like, well, I saw movies of, you know, the older drug dealer seeing that shining star coming up like, and you know, they, in the movies, they tell you, don't quit school. Don't come out here on the streets. You stay what you stay doing what you're doing and I got you. But no, that didn't happen to me. They, they, they was like, man, football ain't going to pay no bills. Football ain't going to help your mother. Football ain't going to help you do this or get you them Pumas you want or this, that, that. Yeah, back then, it was the Pumas. <laughs> we wanted the suede Pumas. I guess. Yeah. Clyde, 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 Clyde. Yep, I love it. <laughs> and um, I actually got my driver's license when you can get them at 15 to 9 months. Mm. And all of the drug dealers, they had all the cars, but nobody had license. And you were the license. And I was the license. You so, filled the void. Uh, not a void you wanted to fill, though. I walked away from football, you know, to drive all of the 300 ZXs, the Maseratis, the, the Maximas, and Cressidas. Wow, Cressida, my man. That was my car. <laughs> Toyota Cressida. People are, you know, the youngsters, they don't know about Toyota Cressida. That was a beautiful car when it came out. <laughs> so you're bringing up some real memories. But this is, this is real talk right here. This is real stories, real. real lives, and how they actually disintegrate, and you can bring them back. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, it's not where you start. It's where you finish. Yep. So you can, you can come back. You yeah. can change this thing. You yep. just got to stay in and keep pushing. So we are segueing into what hope is. That's what I want to know. You guys had all of this. It sounds like it was a struggle. So now you out here, you doing great things, you coming together, you got hope going on. What is hope? How is hope functioning in the community to help other ex-offenders? So helping oppressed people excel, right, is basically measured by lead experience felons that went through discrimination and challenges, coming okay. home, finding a way to get stable, now reaches back to tell brothers like, bro, you ain't got standing on the head to make $6 and they gonna make 39,000 a year off you. You know, you get sentenced to 10 years, that's a quarter million dollars. If 10 of us get sentenced, that's well over 1.5. And this is the money being generated generated. for prisoners. Right, and you know, I always tell people that like, I sold a lot of heroin, right? I sold a lot of cocaine. Mm-hmm. But I have never sold anything that has gotten me 39000 at one moment. Nothing. So selling people is more lucrative, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about me it. Me walking through 110 Calvary Street to get a postponement in chains and shackles like the slaves did. In, 18, in 1786, mm-hmm. it's no difference from 2019. Ain't no difference. Because you still walk in a dark hallway with a group of educated, powerful people looking off to see what county they're going to put you on a plantation. Because that's all Hagerstown, Cumberland, 
ECI, ain't no more plantations. Tell them how you really feel, bro. I don't want you to hold nothing back. I ain't going to hold nothing. I'm going to tell you. I want you to tell them. I'm telling you. Really this is every day. Well, I can, truly, I can truly attest to, to being, I think I actually helped the state of Maryland get every bit of $500 million, if not more, in the time that I've given them. Mm. These are powerful statements, family. You got to listen to that. Prison is not just a place to hold people. It is a place where people are actually making money. It is a money-making entity. And we're not saying that's bad because corporate structure is a money-making entity. The question we're saying is why is it on people's lives? Why are we selling people? So I don't particularly know what the prison system, what it is, all, you know, all the insides and outs, but I understand that they won't give you 39000 to raise a child out here. <laughs> that's what I do know. That's all I'm saying, bro. I'm not. Yeah. T- I'm not. And listen, I ain't fussing we, with the state. You're speaking facts. Though. I ain't fussing with the governor. But why would we? Our children are in a chaotic state. Why won't they give thirty nine thousand to stop them from going to prison? Because it's not lucrative ah, to them. So, I didn't have to say it. So this is. So this was something that we brought up the other day, right? Mm-hmm. That we said that you got fifty people in the city that each of us know mm-hmm. or come across every day that beg for money sleep on the bus stop, sleeping on the subways, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Governor Hogan, right, mm-hmm. first of all, he killed the compact which saved the state $3 million by keeping ex-offenders out. Okay, so now you have to expound. And remember yeah. now, this is administration, and they do things, yeah. they say, for the totality of Maryland. Right, right. So I cannot dispute why he did it. Yeah. What I would like to know is what yeah. did he do? You know, so, how does it affect the black community? Because yeah. a lot of us so, are ex-offenders. 140 people was okay. waiting to be paroled. Okay. So that killed me. It was, it was 200 and something of us on the street that had not been arrested, was working, taxpayers, all that. That, that funding caused a lot of guys who needed those services okay. to not be able to get them. So what was the funding? To define what was taken away. Tell us what so the funding was. the savings was once you got out, uh-huh. you was able to get a housing voucher, you was able to get job training, you was able to get certifications, you was able to uh, get job placement, right? Got it. You was getting case management. You was getting a whole system set for you. Through what? Through a nonprofit? Through a church? How did so you get it, these it, services? It was, called, it was called the Safe and Sound. Safe and Sound. Sound, right? Okay. And it had what was called the Public Safety Compact. Okay. Which was a release for uh, high-risk offenders. Got you know, um, and um, so once that's when you say when you say the compact, yeah. it's the public safety compact. Because right, yeah. see, we're trying to right. educate the listeners. Mm-hmm. We don't know this stuff. So right. when you say, con- I know you know you put right. the slang on it, and, you stink it up. But we need to hear the whole thing. We need to hear the whole thing, bro. And the whole thing in 2015, like um, you know, like uh, David Bloomberg came to the graduate, all, all the public city compacts have saved so many guys' lives. We love this program, but we was like, but none of y'all will step up to challenge the governor. You know, I, we went down there to Secretary Moyer, and he said to me personally, I can't believe Hathaway Furby allowed you to represent Safe and Sound, a drug dealer. I said, I'm a lead advocate. You know, I'm the one that's in the pavement every day. I'm the one that's helping, you know, like so opportunities you, you come to grips. Down. You gotta slow down. 
I, we know you. We know you fly. We get it. We know you're doing the work. So you're telling me you're going to Annapolis right. to talk to these folks. Right. So the first thing they recognize you as is a drug dealer, <laughs> not hey. the advocate for the Hope Program. I mean, for the Safe and Sound, the, the Public Safety the compact. compact. It wasn't about the compact. It was about your past. And and you know that's the issue that I'm having because. You, we got to have redemptive spirits. We got to mm-hmm. redeem, let people redeem mm-hmm. their lives. Once they, you give your time, you got to let some stuff go. Let people come back into the community. We say we're Christians. Christians is about coming back to the fold, Christ, you know, look at your sins and make you an, a better Christian. But how can we be a Christian country when we never re- let people redeem, redeem themselves? So I have a problem with someone who has power and the first thing they look about what you're not. You know, not what you're doing at that point. So he said he directed that comment to you, and yeah. you said yeah. immediately, "I'm a lead yeah. advocate." And like he wow. went, he went to like leave the meeting. Him, Chris Shank, and I was like, "Bro, we come from all the way from Baltimore, not for you to walk out." Right. Mm. right. Well, y'all can't fire me. I don't work for y'all. I don't get paid for this. So he left, or did he? No, stay? he sat back down. Excellent. You know what I mean? They so he never walked out him. on ex Commissioner Frazier, though. They, they, my, they wouldn't have never walked out on him. Oh, of course. And of course. I know he broke some law, but he came home and and he back online. They the forgave him. Over there, ain't you? They forgave him nice and Absolutely. easy. And he's back on the radio. And yeah? back on the radio doing his thing. Go ahead, Mr. Shell. Tell it. Listen, tell it like you really feel, bro. Yeah, so, you know, we redeem who we want to redeem. Yeah, exactly. Let's be clear about exactly. that. Exactly. Redemption only belies in the people that you're comfortable with. But you guys are good with me. Y'all redeem. No. <laughs> Amen Y'all to good. that. Y'all real good. No. So hope is changing lives by investing in those ex-offenders. Those struggling in urban communities with barriers. And those barriers, like being able to move around through bus transportation mm-hmm. to get the jobs, to get to appointments, to get the POs, to get the uh, case management, to get to the hospital, okay. things of that nature. You know, uh, those people who need case management or someone just to be a shot of belief sure. to say, like, bro, I remember you was in the alley smoking coke, getting high, shooting dope, robbing, hands in the snow. Now... He working, he got his own place, he taking care of his family, he meeting with his family once a month. When he come through, all the older folks are like, hey, bam, hey, Antoine, you know, mm-hmm. like, and like you asked about what we do in the community. Yeah. So every year, we go back to certain areas that all of us hustled in, and mm-hmm. we try to pick one prominent place, and we give back book bags. We started out with 35. September the 2nd, Labor Day at Oliver Rec, with uh, connections with Alpha Justice and the network, we gave away 104 book bags. Glory to God. Listen to that, family. That's pens, what I'm paper, talking about. N- pens, paper, paper, mm. folders, mm. composition mm. books, erasers. Beautiful. You know, we fed the people. Hot dogs, music. hamburgers, music, uh, right. moon bounce. Swimming pool. Oh, yeah, we got a lifeguard to come out to the city swimming pool. Oh, so they can swim, too? Right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, we See, had a ball. We talk about people ex-offenders, but we don't talk about when they're actualizing themselves. When they're trying to do right. And they're doing good things. And this is what this is about. We're trying to put these guys, they're, they're really doing great stuff. It's people who work every day, and they don't help a soul. Those kids so, didn't see no ex-offenders out there. They, they saw a bunch of men out there that really were sincere in mm-hmm. trying to make sure 
they had a good time on their last day of summer and that they was prepared for school tomorrow. And, and that's all they needed to see. And what we did, not only was it for the kids, mm-hmm. so we bought services for the parents. So we had the census board there. Mm. We had Maryland volunteer lawyers to do expungement preps. You know, um, we had uh, Kate Wilson from Center for Urban Families to register people for Strive. You know, Delegate Brooke Lambin came. She was like, this not my district. But I said, but you're a delegate. We need you to come so people can meet and talk with you about sure. what you do for the General Assembly. That's amazing. You know, we so... Um, Stuff you guys like do more like, than me. So like, Y'all um, ex-offenders. I'm like, I need to be at Hope. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I need to be there <laughs> building with you fellas. It's Y'all are touching the spot. community. And you're you touching know? children. Right. And, and that's because we want to get them before they right. become ex-offenders. Yes. That's the number one thing is to stop them from that process. Like when you was a big man at five, mm. we want you to be still a little man at seven. Right. You know, not nobody slaying and banging at that age. That's, at that age, you're innocent. And it actually works. Uh, as an example... All my children's like, well, mainly the three oldest, mm-hmm. as they were growing up, you know, watching me go in and out of prison and jail. I used to always call home and tell them, like, I know I disappointed you. I know I let you down and everything. But one thing I want you to do, I really want you to use me as your example of what not to do. When you think you want to do what you saw daddy do or this, that, the other, think about it and do the opposite and you will you'll be just fine. And I thank God to this day that out of all five of my children, none of them have ever seen the inside of a jail that's, except that's, that's to come beautiful. see me. Well, that's beautiful <laughs> because, you know, this this thing, it grabs families. Yes, it does. So if you're able to stop it at one generation, this, this is a great thing. It, it's an absolute thing. So we stopping all of this prison stuff, right? Right, bro? Oh, yes, indeed. That's it. <laughs> Done. That's a never going. The only way, like Absolute I told, like rap. I told the man who denied me parole, <laughs> when you see me again, I'll be getting guys, helping guys get out. And you doing it? And that's what I'm doing. Love you know, it, um, love it. I tell people this, right? Like the one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is how you drag your family through all the experiences that you go through. And and, and and not intentional. You know what I'm saying? Not intentional. So, like, you know, um, the one thing that Hope does is try to reinstill for all the mistakes that we made mm-hmm. to heal that process and to show as we change our life, we start living a greater mean of hope. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the next youngin don't have to be a part of prison pipeline. He don't have to be a part of felony discrimination or being judged as a subsequent offender. You know, everybody talk about Barack Obama. Bro, you can be a Barack Obama. You know what I'm saying? You got my homeboy right now. Two homeboys of mine running for mayor, and I congratulate both of them because they from the hood. Ricky Vaughn and Stokely Carmichael. Carmichael Stokely. Both of them. They both. (laughs) <laughs> one from East Baltimore and one from West Baltimore. And, and what's the other guy's name? Carmichael. Carmichael Stokey. He known by Stokey Industries. Got you it. know, so like um. That's excellent. And they're running for mayor because we need some help in the mayor office. Trying, but the one thing I say, somebody has to have an economic plan. Yes. That will change the game because each dude that's on them corners 
can run any industry. And Hope Baltimore has been a living proof because we started from nowhere. Now we got Weinberg, Lag Mason, Baltimore, Corey, Emmanuel, uh, Episcopal Church behind us. And we got ourselves first. But God is the one who gave us the intuition to do it all. Yep. If it wasn't impressed. for God. I'm absolutely impressed. I don't. <laughs> it's not much I can say. You listen. You should be interviewing me. None of this. Would you have, you, you take care of this, this thing, mama. Antoine. This None is beautiful. This. I mean, to hear that someone could be at such a low state and come out of that state and help others is admirable. It shows character. It's a great thing, and that's what we all have to do. We got to reach back and get the next one. Can I say? Can I? Can I inform course, the people the of this? Holla. Way back in 1995. When Antoine and I first met, and we was running wild together for four straight years. This is out. This is out. Well, right? no, this is okay. while we was in prison. Oh, this is in prison. We okay. Had, and we had just done. I'm not even gonna say, but we had just done some wild stuff. Wow. And we was all hanging out in one of the dorms. I, I, I don't think none of us even slept in this dorm that we was hanging in, smoking weed, doing you know everybody doing their thing. And Antoine said it. He came out in front of the whole clique, like, man, I'm telling you, one of these days. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to start my own organization and I'm going to keep guys from coming back to prison. And all the dudes like, oh, man, shut up. Man, anybody trying to hear that? <laughs> but I heard them. You and heard I was him. like, you know what? I, you can do it. For real, you can do it. And when you do, just don't forget me. And this, we, man, we wasn't even finished coming back and forth to jail then. You still, but he, you were still but he had that in his mind and he never let it go. That's and that's the main, that's one of the main reasons why when we ran across each other out here mm -hmm. and he told me about it and I yeah, I'm coming. And I've been with him ever since. You guys are doing great things. How can other people volunteer? How can um, Black Box Radio, how can we assist you in this? I mean, what is it that you need from the community? What can the community assist? Because listen, Everybody is a part of the community. These guys come in, they go into the community. You need some help. So how can we assist you? What would help hope? What is? What do you guys need? We just want people to come congregate with us. We meet up every week, every Tuesday evening from 6 to 8 o'clock. And we just... Tell me where. Give us a, give us a place. At Emmanuel Episcopal uh, Church. Emmanuel. It's on Cathedral and Reed Street. Okay. Right there. You will never miss this big church. 811 Cathedral. 811 Cathedral. Okay. And and you're there meeting up, talking about how you can help the community. And help each other. Help each other. That's our main goal is to help each other stay out here, hold each other accountable to each other. And that's what's been that's what's been keeping us so close and tight knit and strong in the mind. Listen, y'all. Life shorty. I like to I like to affiliate <laughs> our acronym Hope Baltimore uh -huh. with faith of a of a mustard seed. Because mm. God Ben told us all you gotta do is have faith of a mustard seed and you will see change. Mm. And I try to tell people, man, that's all you gotta have is faith of a must a that's mustard seed. Faith. And that's called hope. Hope and if, if if you have hope and believe you have hope, oh, you definitely gonna see some change. This is this, you guys. I'm so inspired. And listen, we need some kings out here. We got some kings doing some great things. We got some lawyers, accountants. We got people who's just working every day. Come touch the brothers. 
these brothers is doing great things in the community. Come on, touch. I don't know if the sister's going to come out. You know. Oh, we got a couple. Uh, all got, these African so men, we, we love that. Them. So we got we, we got come mixed with the brothers. We got some strong sisters like Karen York, Nicole Hanson, uh, Monica Cooper, uh, Donna Brown. Oh, we got some soldiers. Excellent, yeah, excellent. So soldiers. sisters too. You take you taking anybody because yes, we need to to keep yes, this type indeed. of work going. People need to volunteer. Yes, people indeed. need to be present. It's not just for ex offenders. It's for children because if you help the ex offender, imagine a family you help behind that. Amen. They have children. <laughs> they have mates. So we got to be able to help people other than ourselves sometimes. That is what being communal is. That's what Black Box Radio is. We want to see black people do black things and live in black excellence. That's what we want. You know, um, it's and love yourselves. Yes, definitely love yourselves. I'll say this, right? Yeah, this last word, Court. This last I mean, word, Antoine. Right. Keep calling you Court. What's the that it, It's 39000 a year for one inmate, right? Mm. You got a housing voucher that's $1,000 a month. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. So if $1,000 a month is only 12 months a year, how many families can you take care Thank of? Thank you, because if you, 39,000 are inmates. And then think about how many individuals in one day get sentenced to 10 years. Huh. So if we took 10 guys that got sentenced from 8 to 11, that's over a million dollars. You can save 50 families with that. But, to, but the first thing, Mr. Antoine, you got to care about the families you know what I'm saying? and but not care about the money. You care about the yeah. greed. You know, yeah. it's, it's greed. No, yep. That's what it all starts with. It starts with the money. Yep. So that's why we have to be different. You're yeah. not going to change the system. Nah. Yep. Let's be clear. The system nah. has been there. It has applied these rules yeah. over and over. Yeah. The question is, when are we not going to go in yeah. the system? We yeah. have to stay away from the system. And that's what hope does. It changes yeah. lives, changes attitudes, changes movements. Change your way of if thinking. you guys continue to do this work, you will see change in your Absolutely. own self, your children, your community. Absolutely. It affects, it's just like a broad-based yeah. effect. It's like a river. It really is. So a rock It's like a, a domino. Boom. Boom. The, the ripple goes out. You're right. You're right. And that's and that's how you want it to work. So please, these guys meet every Tuesday. Hit them to what? Every Tuesday evening <laughs> at Emmanuel Episcopal uh, Church. Mm-hmm. What Cathedral time? and Reed from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. And it's 811 on Cathedral Street, right, Antoine? 811 Cathedral Street, Tuesdays at 6. You know, um, come, get something to eat. And you got some food, bro? And we got some food for you. And food. And we got food for you. We're going to feed you. So you're going to help, you're going to get fed, you're going to go home feeling real, yeah. real good. And, and we're going to put something on your, your brain. mind. You're going to definitely have a, a different perspective when you leave. Listen, box up. Come holler at these brothers. They told you where they are. Hit them to it. One more time. 811 <laughs> Reed Street. <laughs> Cathedral and Reed Street. Yes. Emmanuel Episcopal Church, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. I will be there. Don't even worry about it. We will be there waiting for you. Got it. Now, this is, this is it. The last thing you want to tell the community, Tuan. Your last, last will and testament, bro. Last will and testament. Mm. I thank the whole hood. For everything of being behind me, man. From Bam to Twan and Tweezy, all experience of smoking coke in the alley to now sitting in businesses and help in Annapolis create laws and policies mm. that help. So, like, if you win this fight, come help me, man. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what part. Just be good at what you do because, like, we good at what we do. 
Baltimore, I love y'all more than one. Love it. DeWitt, give us your last will. First, first off, I just want to thank God for never turning his back on me. Mm. Thank my family for the support that they, they kept giving me even when they was taught on me. I thank Hope for, for, for being that backbone with me while out here. And I invite everybody, any and everybody, come get this new life. If I can do it, you can do it. Y'all heard it. Come get that new life. It's that hope. You guys got any emails, handles like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah hit us with that so, so they can um, get in touch with you, bro. Our website is hopeinbaltimore.org, spelled all the way out, no space. Or you can um, email me at helpingoppresspeopleexcel at gmail.com, no space. Okay, slow that down. Helping? Helping oppress people excel at gmail.com. Okay. No spaces in between. No spaces. Or you can contact me at 443-449-4086. Your name? Antoine Quarles L. All right, family. You know we got to be out. Yep. I, know, I yep. know you love us, but we got to rock. We got to go. So we got a lot of people to thank. We want to um, definitely thank uh, Melissa Morgan and also the uh, Afri- African-American Cultural Festival, uh, all of the folks there who allowed me to get backstage and do the interviews and meet the Force MDs. And so I really appreciate them. We also want to shout out Big Shorty. Yeah. He was entertaining. <laughs> he is a character. Love Big Shorty. And uh, we had Hope. We have Antoine and DeWitt from Hope. So uh, we want to definitely we appreciate those brothers for coming in and um, giving Black Box some time and definitely help us through this journey as we touch the black community. So we, we definitely appreciate them. Um, I also want to speak about uh, the altar call. We got to talk about the altar call, right. bro. Well, I got one more shout out. To right. Shout out to Micah Place. Yes, sir. That's where we're sitting right now. Yes, sir. And we, we did both of the interviews here in the studio in the basement of Micah Place. So shout out. They get a big up. They get it all. They <laughs> are ensuring us to have a voice. So we appreciate you, Micah. Definitely. Thank you, G. They're number one on the list. And um, anybody else you think we should... Who touched um, us? Who helped put this one through? Who pushed? Uh, everybody who, yeah, all the people on community camera who like have been supporting the Instagram and, and interacting. The Facebook, yeah, exactly. All of the posts I'm getting, the tags. We appreciate you, Baltimore. Please keep hitting us. Hit us definitely on our yards. Yeah, Fusion Partnerships has been showing Black Box a lot of love. A lot of love. Fusion, we love Fusion. I gotta come see you guys because you know the Black Box got it. We gotta put the box everywhere. So um, Fusion, definitely. A lot of people hits up. They're in the yards. And stay in the yard. Stay in the Facebook. Stay on the gram. Um, You know the handle? Black Box Radio. Black. Let me spell that thing for you. B-L-A-K. No C. Box. B-O-X-X. One. Excuse me. Two X's. (laughs) Radio. R-A-D-I-O. At gmail.com. Or Black Box Radio for just the handles. So please check out our page. Gram. Holler at us. Also, the altar call. Can I hit the altar call now? Okay. Listen, I I gave an altar call on the first drop. We need legal representation. We need a we need a legal ego in this jump. 
So we need somebody who we can pick the mind. We need to talk about these legalities, the politics. Politics is beginning, coming to the forefront. 2020 is on its way. You know, we got the presidential. We got the mayoral in Baltimore City, city council. We got a lot going on. So we need some legal folks in here, people who know the Constitution and all that stuff. Because I don't know. I don't know that stuff. What would you do? I'm a little... Uh... Right, right. It's all, You always have to um, stay on top of it and... It's a fluid document. The it way, really is. The way that it's interpreted and the way that it's applied changes over time. So you have to understand the way the laws are being presented now mm-hmm. and the way that they're being interpreted now and how it's going to impact what you do, uh, especially when you're thinking about who you're going to vote for and how you're going to you know, hold them accountable for representing your interest and the interest of the city in the right way. That's the Esquire we need. Legal rep. Holl at us. And we need some tattoo artists. Listen, I want to talk about these tattoos on black skin. I see them everywhere. We tatted up. They're everywhere. Everywhere. Girls, boys, child, men, old women, new women. Everybody got a tattoo. So we want some tattoo artists. We want to talk about uh, the ink, you know, the trends in tattooing and, you know, how it's affecting the black community and how we are definitely loving tattoos, aren't we? Yeah. And when I grew up, that was not the case. No. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, over the last couple decades, it, they definitely have come, more, become more mainstream. Yes, sir. And more accepted. Like Even yeah. the military. As long as they're not in your face. Right. And your neck, you can come on in. Right. As long as they can't be seen. As long as they can't be seen in your, when you're wearing your uniform. Yeah, that's amazing. And they had to do that, or they have one person in the military. Well, I mean, they... they um, <laughs> They're clear. Right, yeah. They've, all, they've always had... People have always had tattoos in the military, even when I went in. But not to this... Right, well, just because tattoo culture wasn't like what it yeah, is now. It's, it's out of control now, so you got to have some rules. So that's the altar call, guys. You know, BBR, Black Box Radio, we have an altar. And so we put things in the altar when we need it. We need that legal rep, and we need them tattoo artists. So holler at us, blackboxradio at gmail.com. Come up in our yards, Black Box, at Facebook, the Grand Black Box Radio. Anything else, Jay? Thank you. We out. Peace. Be black. Be blessed. Queen of B. G Forte. Holler.